It's Film Friday, so you know what that means. Welcome to Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all you film nerds, movie aficionados, and you know, all of that stuff. Um, this is going to be, I'm going to try to do this as quickly as possible, guys. Um, I want to, first of all, welcome you to the first official episode of December. Um, so to all of those celebrating any holiday within the month of December, I just want to say happy holidays. First and foremost, um, I will say that I happen to celebrate Christmas. So with that being said, we're going to do a Christmas film. This week, Bruce Coolidge kicks off his shoes and channels his inner solid snake as he shuffles through some air ducts to face Professor Snape, well, before he went on golf. That's right, folks, we are discussing Die Hard. Yes, with Bruce Willis, not to be confused with Die Hard, with Kevin Hart. Yes, this is the 19, I think, 88 film. Yeah, so sit back and um, prepare yourself. This was going to be a little different, all right? So normally, you know, I we, we do movie reviews here when we are watching a film for the first time. But this film came out ages ago. It is literally one of my favorite films. And I actually watch it every year. I kid you not for Christmas time. In fact, I've had many an argument about people saying that it's not a Christmas film. And I will fight you. I will fight you if you disagree. Anywho, so I want to do something a little different since I've actually seen this film before. So I invited a special guest this time. That's right. We got a special guest this time, but we're going to make it even more special alertist. That's right. I said special alertist. My special guest this time is going to be helping me because we're going to be doing our first live watch party. Yeah, buddy. So what that means is... We're going to be watching said film, providing commentary throughout it, and also talking about some of the production design elements, sound design, acting, things of that nature as we go along. So instead of it being a small compressed um, episode per usual, well, small, I'm, I'm, you can't see I'm using air quotes right now. Well, I'm using half of an air quote because I got the microphone in my hand. But anyway, uh, so this time I wanted to, like I said. I've seen this movie ample amount of times, but I've never actually watched it to do review. So it'll be interesting to see what I can pick up and learn from from watching it this time, A, with someone else and also B, with looking at it from a more um, constructive, I guess, uh, state of mind. So, yeah. Oh, I cannot. Yeah. Oh, when I did this podcast, started this however many months ago, um, I knew I was going to do Die Hard for Christmas. So I just wanted to make it special. So anyway, um, with that being said, we will be splitting this episode into two parts because, yeah, it's long. <laughs> it was a lot of us talking, should I say. Um, but we still do the review at the end and we do some introductions and we talk a little bit about film before we actually get into it. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, buckle your seatbelt. If you, if you need to get a drink. By all means, we when we were um, recording, we had some beverage to keep our 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 palate moist. Is that a that's a thing that sounds. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I don't know. It's December. So if you drink eggnog, which I do, if you don't like eggnog, I will also fight you. Let me tell you my perfect Christmas right here. OK, I'm talking family time. Boom. Die hard. Boom. Eggnog. Boom. That's all I need. That's what I need for a perfect Christmas. And if you don't like that, you're a horrible person. I'm just playing. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and get your drink. Eggnog. If you are of age, go ahead and put a little, you know, spike that little bad boy. Spike that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Some bourbon. I don't know. Some 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 um, some whiskey. I don't know. What, what, what do you do? Maybe a cognac? I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Anywho, uh, go ahead and get your drink. Get your popcorn ready and start. Fire that bad boy up. Now, if you haven't watched die hard before then we might ruin it talking through it the entire time so ideally you have either a watched it beforehand and or just want to see and hear what the hell we are talking about when we talk about it, or b you want to experience the ultimate experience which is watching die hard 
and listening to people talk about Die Hard. Anyway, welcome, guys. Um, let's go ahead and kick it off. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go with the flicks and scripts with Jay Stark's movie review of the live watch party of the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Alrighty, so we are about to kick off our live watch party. So buckle up, guys. Get your popcorn, your drinks ready, whatever you know your your poison is, and let's um let's do a little quick intro here. Oh yeah, I, I should say that since we are doing a live watch party, we are drinking some IPAs, Got some Ip- beers, yeah. Ipas yeah, from Sweetwater. We're in Atlanta now, so it's only right, you know, Atlanta-based company. So what have you? So. Before we get in there, we start really talking it, the film out. Um, just want to do. I already mentioned your name, but let's get a little bit into you, what you do, uh, etc. Like for example, how, I'm just trying to think about it, and I can't remember how long we've known each other. Do, ah, man, do you? Man, I don't know. I feel like forever. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. It was one of those weird things. Like, is it because we're getting older, so things are blending in, or like? You and I have a really cool connection, like, and for some reason we agree on a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. And we, and there's even been times where I've said something that he's already had mentioned, or he mentioned something that I was literally thinking about, and it's a very, very weird, like, very in sync bromance or something. I don't know. <laughs> simpatico. <laughs> yeah, simpatico. So yeah, so yeah, literally don't know three, five years if I had to put a number on it. Okay. Maybe roughly in that. Yeah, I get. I COVID fucked us longer, up too, though, because yeah. COVID. Yeah, I would say that the mystery because year. so many times we knew each other in passing too. That's true. That's true. But I would say officially, maybe what was it? Applewood. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that would be. Oh wow! That no, is no, a... no. Wait, what? What was before that? Was that before or after? I don't know. We were doing the um, Undertaker. Undertaker. The that's probably the first official one for that. So yeah, like, yeah, we worked on before Applewood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we worked on um, a Netflix project. Uh, I forgot the official term, but is the Undertaker, and essentially it was kind of like a choose your own destiny. You remember those R.L. Stein movie uh, books that you read and like turn to page thirty eight if you want them to turn left. Turn to page fifty six. You want them to turn right. You turn to fifty six. They're dead, and that's all it says on the page. That kind of shit. I will always sneak and hold my um page mm-hmm. like with my fingers, so that way if I turned and died, I can go back and restart. Yeah, I did that I all mean, the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah you know, it's a book. It's yeah. not life. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so essentially that's kind of what the Netflix project was. And on there, I told you guys that I do a lot of art department on set dressing, but in there that was my first. Uh, construction gig which is the art department still um so i got pulled into that to help build that and then ever since then i was like i don't want to do this construction shit and the only reason why is because i I, like i've mentioned on this podcast before i build my own sets for my theater shows and my actual film projects so i don't want to do it again i just want to do something new different to and also being an actor i want to be able to rub elbows and asses with the people that matter and being an on-set dresser i'm in video village with the producers, the director, the cinematographer, everything. Video Village, sorry. Um, for those who don't know, is essentially when the recording process of the film is happening during production, there are monitors that are watched by the script supervisor, the director, producer, everybody's for continuity, yeah, hair, um, quality, makeup. hair, makeup, and everything else. So Video Village, and I'm often there yeah. to help with continuity. And like I said, I'm right there with whoever the big the biggest name on that particular project is so that's why i like doing on-set dressing construction even though it pays well i'm nowhere i'm off in my own little what's the name yeah, which ain't gonna help me from an acting point yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah something. so anyway um so yeah that's uh, yeah i think you're right that might be the official like we officially started working yeah. together on there so yeah introductions and all yeah that. so what is it that you do for films well, currently on that one i mm-hmm. was an office pa turned assistant production coordinator okay so um throughout that one okay what's the uh if you give us a brief synopsis so a pa typically is i'm not sure anybody was typically the lowest totem pole of whatever department you're in yeah. i was an art you're, pa you're before be a runner a run, whatever yeah, yeah yeah 
go go get this or go fetch this or go yeah. to the store, blah, blah, but blah. But it is a way of learning that department. Yeah, so and to see if you, if you want to work in that department. Yeah, yeah. every yeah. department has a PA. They might call them something like... They're, they don't have camera PAs, but they have what's called a camera utility, which yeah. is a camera PA. <laughs> yeah. or, and sometimes they will hire them camera PAs okay. too. Uh, but yeah, you'll see a utility. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just to give them better credit. A better credit, yeah. Because so credits. They can build their career. In this industry, credits is what truly matters. I know we're not going to bring it up, but you and I have had some conversations about two projects that I worked on. They gave me the wrong credit. <laughs> yeah. Now, the good thing is my acting credits are fine, That's right. but That's right. my crew credits, I'm getting paid for it. But still, all of that helps my quote unquote star meter. And they've credited me wrong twice. Luckily, I have IMDb Pro, so I go in there and put my own shit on there. Uh, Motherfuckers. Anyway, so. Um, I'm unwilling to pay so, money. So I'm just like, whatever it is. It well. Is. Well, as actors, well, I can write it all, first of all, yeah, as an yeah, actor, yeah, yeah. but also no, I mean, it helps true. like if I take a directing class, not a direct, an acting class, whatever, with a CD or an agent, mm. because you can't find that that stuff just by, you know, in the yellow pages and shit. For those who don't know, yellow pages. So when I was growing up, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we had thick pages. two, three thousand page, like you think about a Stephen King book and then double that. And then what happened is they will come around and drop these off. And you can weirdly look up anybody's fucking number in the world. It's crazy. I was using that, you know, just to talk about how simpatico, like I I was using that reference just a couple days ago. Mm. My wife, she was like, hey, you got to find that. I was like, is that something you can find in the yellow pages? (laughs) (laughs) It's Oh, yeah, that's that's right. It was white and yellow pages. Yellow pages were for businesses Uh and the white pages were for residential. So literally... I can look up somebody. It's fucking bizarre that that shit was just accessible. You know what I mean? And not, and not only their number, yeah. their address. Now, you could also make sure to get unlisted, but you had to do a whole rigmarole to make sure you yeah. unlisted. But literally, if they weren't on the unlisted thing, I could be like, who's this person? Stalk much? Yeah. It's yeah. fucking bizarre. But then again, <laughs> we've traded that shit where people had issues with privacy to social media where people post every fucking thing about their life on them. Like, it's worse yeah, now. It's worse. Even matter anymore. <laughs> now I know what your house looked like. I know you're not home. I know the kids know you have. Schedule. I know your dog just died. <laughs> like, I know your schedule. <laughs> I know your favorite foods. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway, um, so you, you mentioned production coordinator. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, what uh, exactly is that? Well, it was assistant in this one. So, okay. but yeah, production coordinating and, and office production, I don't know uh, the best way to, let me see. Um, we coordinate. <laughs> so, Hence the name. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to So we, uh, I mean, you, you make sure all the correct information and in documentation form gets to the right hands. Um, so, you know, um, Basically, everything that's happening in production flows mm. through an office. Mm. And that office, not only assisting, coordinating those things happening, mm-hmm. but also make sure to file all that information where you so can find it. So, a lot of organizational well. yeah, skills. So it's, yeah. Okay. So, it's organizing, filing, coordinating. Um, and just being that kind of that center of the web almost mm. like the producer. I mean, you could probably just say the producer and the production office coordinator or production office go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Okay. Because you're doing all the office work for that producer. Gotcha. Now, are you guys there for pre-production, actual production? Um, so, and I think yeah, I've yeah. explained it. So pre-production guys is uh, We're definitely there the planning part of the film process mm-hmm. so you're scouting you're making sure to get your department heads fill out your you know the yeah. the bodies that you need then you have production which is the actual filming process of the film and then you have post-production which a lot of people tend to drop off there and it's a much smaller army working on that so for example i don't really do as an on-set dresser i don't do a lot of stuff in the post-production world unless they have to do reshoots and then they'll bring me back for something like yeah. for the hill that we just mentioned um, that Debbie was in and Dennis Quaid, they did pull me back for a one day um, yeah, reshoot. Yeah, I was a camera off on that. Yeah, yeah. So I had to go to Atlanta, build a, a, a set just for this one scene, but it either A, wasn't filmed initially or wasn't planned or what have you. But there's numerous reasons why reshoots might happen, but that's what post-production is. So for you guys, you're there for pre, post and, I mean, pre-production and post? 
Um, yeah, um, a little bit less on the post side. Okay. Uh, we do have wrap out. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we're tying everything in a nice note. And they're leaving. Yeah, we're wrapping out for like two more weeks. So oh, okay. it kind of goes hand in hand with post. But, you know, that's that's usually left to yeah. post producers and, and the producer. Yeah. And sometimes they'll reach out, but yeah. not so much. But so more so in the pre production, it's a stronger thing mm. because you are um, coordinating all the meetings with all department heads. Yeah. Making sure all department heads get everything that they need mm. to have, you know, whatever they need to have filled out and then get it back to you. So if we do you know, uh, land a location, mm. all that documentation gets back to the office. So we do have that location when it comes to the day of shooting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So for those listening, the production point, unless it's like a Lord of the Rings or a six month Game of Thrones kind of shoot, the production for the average project is the smallest portion of the entire thing. The pre-production is a pretty large chunk, depending on the moving pieces, and yeah, then it's post-production. About two to four weeks pre-production, mm. and production itself those are usually about four weeks, mm. and then post. Um, well, that can go on a lot longer. Yeah, depending on what they have, the CGI what, heavy, the effects not, heavy. Yeah, yeah, but it's still not like. It's not a lot of work from a lot of people. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very, very restricted. Yeah, it's normally it's like just editing. So. Yeah, a lot of the like it's the director house. might be involved, the post house uh, composer, yeah. etc., colorist, producers and all those different involved, things. Producers but, definitely, yeah. You know, but uh, production office isn't so much involved yeah. anymore. You gotcha, know, gotcha. They, they've they've got everything in mm. their in their Google Drive or whatever. Yeah. They, you know, their Dropbox. So they can pull all the So they can just pull it. Yeah, because I know as an on-set dresser, I take a lot of pictures for continuity because I work hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, I don't know how other us. script supervisors work, but I like to work hand-in-hand hand with the script supervisor so we can lean on each other for continuity. If things have to be moved or put back into place, then we're both on the same page. So I've definitely, definitely gotten those emails. Jay, can I get those 400 pictures that you took? It's going to be about a week-long process, but yes, here you go. <laughs> um, so out of curiosity, is this something that you, like I mentioned, I did the construction and I do on-set dresser, but my ultimate goal is acting, which is kind of morphed into acting, writing, directing, producing. But what yeah. are your your goals for the future? Like, what are you striving towards your ultimate film? Kind I of? would like to have my own feature film out eventually so directing yeah okay um writing as well okay um, and then eventually you know producing yeah yeah as, as well um but yeah it's just kind of i feel like it's it's you know unless you are a very specific niche in it you mm. know you and you're not you know you're a versatile person yeah so you kind of work but like you know camera mm. is is what i love about it so okay. always working camera department yeah is where i like to be but then I think about it, it's like, I'm not going to be able to camera forever. Mm. And I don't want to always camera because especially as like a camera op, yeah, it's fine on a day to day. Yeah. You know, but I'd like to think about the shot and plan it. Yeah. Yeah. More so than be told what to do. But at the same time, it's fine. Yeah. Know? Well, but, I think, and I think what's interesting, like you mentioned kind of doing it because of course me being an indie filmmaker, um, trying to get to that level, then oftentimes I know I dodged it for the longest time of oh being like i would get introduced like i would always introduce myself as an actor director in that order because that was how i saw myself and then i'll have other buddies when they would introduce me to other people oh this is jay he's an actor a director writer producer i'm like oh not a writer not a not a not a writer producer what are you talking about but if you're doing your own independent projects especially as many you've done it's hard yeah it's hard to get away from naming a bunch of things without seeming you know like you don't have a direction but yeah. it is it yeah is, it is film is the yeah. direction you know i just i love being a contributing part to the process of making a film yeah and well i yeah. think it's also cool because but i have my own objectives as well yeah I have yeah my own plan so what that looks like always is is not too sure but mm. you know um but yeah definitely being you know directing and, yeah. and writing because I have my own stories to tell. Yeah. It's probably going to be part of it. You know? Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting to me, some of my favorite creatives um, are people that are multifaceted. And I think 
it, it helps you have an appreciation for other people and things like I feel as though and I'm not like shooting throwing anybody under the bus or anything because I don't know anybody particularly but I feel like if you just get into the film world and you want to be a cinematographer so you start off as a camera PA camera utility you move your way up then yes there'll be an organic kind of appreciation for other departments as well but I feel as though if you're being indie and helping other people out on their projects and having to be the executive producer etc that you have a better working knowledge and more importantly appreciation for what other people are doing so when you get to that point of having other people help you out on projects paid or unpaid you can have an appreciation for all the hard work that they are doing like you helped me out you were a first ad on the interview yeah. that i um produced and acted in and you were a tremendous fucking help but also i'm not going to just like say hey can you be Part of my thing is I find like a lot of indie people, they'll have people in these positions and place them there, but that person may not know what the hell they're doing there. And I think because I have a working knowledge of what a first AD um, should or can and needs to do, Mm -hmm. that I can limit that list down and find the best person. And then more importantly, I respect them like you and I, even though I was the lead actor on there. We had a bunch of conversations. Now, I'll give you... Here's my thing. This is why I fucking love this guy, by the way. So, I was like the producer, and I did a whole bunch of shit. So, I got in camera equipment and most of the other people involved, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we had a couple conversations. And on the day of, I was sitting over in the side. And because my name was on all the emails and everybody knew I was a producer, et cetera, et cetera, they would come ask me questions. And you walked up to... I can't remember who it was, but I think it happened more than one time. Like, oh, oh, oh. He's an actor. You got any questions? Just come over to me. And he didn't say like an asshole. He did it like a first AD should do. And sometimes first ADs, they're looked at as the villains, but they got a lot on their fucking plate. You know, like a director, yes, is their vision. But without that first AD keeping things on time and keeping shit organized, shit could fall apart fucking quickly. Because as a director myself, there's a lot of fucking moving parts on the on the day, let alone if you're acting as well. And like you were just like fucking stiff arming people when they came and asked me well, questions. Well, yeah, and I think because it's like like the director, <laughs> the actor is kind of trying to get into that mindset, and it's like, yes, you are the producer as well. You know, yes, you did write it, but it's like at the same time, we're he's doing acting now, so yeah. just like you know, yeah, we're we're all here. What do you need? Yeah, and I I'll appreciate it. But once again, that's why I think yeah. it's important to have an understanding and appreciation of the multiple facets that are working. So then that way, you know, because it's a director set, but to me, and this is speaking as a director as well, like if I was a director and I hired the first AD or I got a first AD working, it's their set to me. It's my project, Mm -hmm. but it's their set on the day. Like, what are we doing? Where, like the one I just worked on above my pay grade, I was executive producer, co-writer and um, lead for that one. And I went to my first AD, like how are we looking on time? Um, blah 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 and asking them and talking with them because to me it's the first AD they run that set on the day I think again like they're keeping up with the technical aspect Mm -hmm. while you're sitting there looking at the creative visual yeah and and you know just kind of studying that and maybe talking with your DP yeah about some changes you need or the first AD Mm -hmm. you know if you need some other department over there to talk to them about something you know whatever that yeah so maybe long story short um guys is if i feel as though if you have an interest in film the best thing you can do especially starting out is yeah self-produce do your own shit because then you will come to recognize the hard work that it takes to do anything pa PA. yeah yeah is what you really need to do if you love film and you think you want to do it for a profession yeah oh definitely yeah don't go and just be like a dp for somebody you never held a camera or don't think you're above pa don't think you're above hop on friends pro if they have something happening i've you know i don't want to be it but like if there was a pa position yeah it was a job and i wasn't working on something else yeah yeah, man it's it's how you gain respect and appreciation and know what's happening yeah well and and you meet other people you learn different things techniques you know it's just and and nothing should be beneath you yeah when you're working, you know, any job, yeah. especially film job, and, and you want to grow to a department head, you should never look at any job as something beneath you because yeah. then you're just going to look down on whoever's doing that yeah. job 
and you're just going to be a shitty boss. Yeah. And and I think they're going to feel that energy and that'll like stop more momentum if you're doing that. Yeah. And I agree. So it's like I've jumped on, I, and I mentioned before in the podcast, I don't necessarily DP. I don't gaff. I have a working knowledge of how to do it. And I can understand terminology when it's given to me. And I've had projects that even though I, my primary goal is acting, directing, writing, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. I'll hop on here and hold a light for you. Like, just fucking do it. Like, because you can learn. Even if it's a bad experience, then guess what? You just learned how not to have a bad experience on your own set. At least that's my personal opinion. So, anywho. But, yeah, so directing, multiple things. But directing is the ultimate kind of vision that you're working towards? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, camera directing, um, if if directing doesn't come to fruition, then camera's always there for me. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I think I still got some good stories to tell. So I yeah. feel like directing will pan out. Nice. Oh, yeah. That, I think at this point, I personally, now I don't think everybody can be a great director. I'm not talking about you. I'm just yeah, talking about yeah, in no, general. No, I mean, but I feel like great, if you if you self-produce and direct, <laughs> yeah, because here's, this is my opinion. And then we'll start the movie up. And I used to say this all the time, like when I was doing theater and my short films, to me, the hardest part about directing and the most important part is surrounding yourself with talented motherfuckers. Yeah. That's it. I'm now nah, I'm I'm not trying to simplify because I understand I mean, once again, are, I understand that is a good simplification. To, yeah, like the the best directors hire the best people and they help you as a director look good. Yeah. They make your job easier. Right. That to me is the hardest part of directing and the easiest and i say that because i think a lot of people who try to pursue directing i'm not once again i'm not talking about you but i think they want their name their name directed by like it's all the ego thing for them like no 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 that's not the like if you hire really good fucking actors and really good director and dp then your job is fairly fucking easy on the set Hence why I say it's the first AD set. They're the ones doing the hard work. Now, you might have small adjustments or whatever, but, like, you shouldn't be, like, really, like, working super hard if you have talented people in those places. You know what I mean? Or at least that's my my opinion. So. All righty. Welcome back to all you film nerds, film geeks, cinephiles, etc., etc. I forgot the other thing. I have three of them and I forgot what it was. Oh, well, anyway, you already know um, that, you know, I'm just going off the cuff here. Welcome to Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. I am Jay Starks, the host, uh, actor, filmmaker, director, all of the stuff, uh, jack of all trades, kind of, sort of. Um, So welcome, guys. This is the first episode for Christmas. Well, I guess for December is what I should say, because, you know, everybody may not celebrate Christmas. So what or what have you. So anyway, first December uh podcast episode yeah that sounds right now this one as i told you guys last month is going to be a little bit different you know normally i end up doing a review of a film that i'm watching for the first time so it's nice and it's fresh etc but seeming as though it's december i feel as though i had to you know make this special episode this time because i've had a lot of flack and have actually had verbal arguments with people about this particular film that we're watching today. It's Die Hard, a.k.a. the best Christmas movie that has ever existed. I'll fight anybody who says anything different. You know where to find me. DM me if you got a fucking problem with it. Anywho, so we're going to get into it, all right, guys? So per usual, we're going to do our pre-production breakdown. It's going to, you know, give us some little details about the cast and crew, some of the top build people, some little fun factoids, maybe. We'll do our intermission and then we'll do our post-production breakdown, which will be the viewpoint of the film. But here's where it gets a little a little kooky, guys. This time I'm bringing a special guest with me. So he's going to help me break down the film, but even more specialer. That's the thing. Specialer. We're going to say that. We're actually going to be doing a live watch party because, I mean, it's Die Hard. So I've seen it. I don't know how many fucking times I watch Die Hard for Christmas literally every fucking year. I'm not exaggerating. So, you know, keeping with tradition, it's, it's like one of the only Christmas traditions I actually have. So I thought it'd be kind of cool just to 
discuss the greatest film ever. Anywho, so uh, let's go ahead and we'll do a breakdown. I'll start that up and then we're actually going to be watching the film. And excuse me, we have to we might have to check the volume before we start talking. But we're going to watch the film and kind of do, you know, a little um, a little, you, you know, like you get the DVDs. It, all right. So for now. This is 2023, so a lot of y'all don't have DVDs, okay? Or this is in the future, you're listening to this, well, if you're listening to this past podcast in the future, DVDs are these little disc things, right? And what will happen is you put information on the disc, and then a little laser reads it, and it plays it back so you can watch it. Then after DVDs, became Blu-rays, and now everything's all digital, etc. So, I, being a little bit older, I have plenty of DVDs. 4Ks, Blu-rays, and some of my favorite films, I make sure to have DVDs because if it's digital, it might go away. The companies can literally take it from streaming or whatever. So all you, oh, I don't own, you know, physical, you know, media. Well, joke's on you when you can't watch any fucking more. Let's get into this. So today we are watching, doing a live watch party and reviewing Die Hard. Yeah, buddy. So this film came out in 19... 88 holy fuck i was born in 85 so i was three years old no i did not watch this film when i was three it was a lot older than that but yeah 88 that shit's this is old so i'm 38 that this film is 35 years old that's insane um it is rated r one hour 32 minutes and it is described as an action thriller okay now for any people living in a rock or what's it called? Like you're living under a rock and haven't seen this. What is wrong with you? Go out and watch this film. Okay. Um, so let's get into our log line here. Okay. So this is an action film. So I'm going to try to do the action um, narrator, you know, the inner world guy um, voice. Are, are you able to do the inner world guy voice? You want to give it a try? You know, we're going to. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what? We're going to introduce my special guest a little bit earlier. So uh, with me today, I have Mr. I'm, I'm going to give you a whole government name and then you can just tell him what name to call it. Or you want, should we do the government name? All right. So Mr. <laughs> the whole name. <laughs> Joseph Shawcat. Now, make sure, sir, if you don't mind, I would love for you to actually say the correct pronunciation. I think I got it, but I don't want to butcher it here. So, but it'll be interesting. It's a really cool fucking sounding name, but most people can't fucking pronounce it because of the way it's spelled. So that's why I want him to say. Anyway, Mr. Joseph Shawcat, say hello to the people. Hello, people. How y'all doing? <laughs> happy holidays. Oh, oh, this is what I should have said I instead like of happy Christmas. Holidays, yeah, God, you know, it the, covers it all. I say that at that work. Yeah, and I actually <laughs> say it at work, and for some reason, it's just like, oh, you know why? Because it's the best Christmas movie, and that's what fucked up. Is so? Well, can you say a holiday? Is now you see what the, the fuck I'm talking about, y'all. This is why Christmas <sighs> I had to do a moment of silence. We're there's clearly going to be argument about yeah. that. And you know right. what? You know what? We're we gonna have to bring you I back. Mean, it's still a great Christmas movie. Yes. Well, a great movie that happened you mean, during Christmas. The time. the best Christmas movie. But yeah, you know, we might have you back, and then we'll watch Gremlins and do this again, and then we're we're going to see. I think what's so. happening okay so. so um so anyway mr joseph shawcat uh yeah how about just um how do you pronounce your name because this shit is cool hold on we got to do a, no oh wait, wait all right well, we well yeah yeah we got we got to make it dramatic real quick do okay we need to do the full name y yeah yeah let's do the full name so mr joseph shawcat however how do you pronounce that sir shoka what that's fucking cool, man. I get now for anybody who's listened to this podcast before, y'all know I get really excited about cool fucking names. Like literally, I'll read off a cast or crew member and they got a cool name. I think it's fucking dope. So, um, and it's spelled S H A W K A T. But it's pronounced sh Shoka. Shoka. Now, any particular reason why you don't have to go into extreme details, but where's the etymology from for that name? It's Palestinian. That's fucking cool, man. That's like, I just love the pronunciation. And I think I was, because I always call you Shawcat for yeah, since Shawcat, fucking forever. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's because what, that's a cool fucking name yeah, as well, too. That's what a lot of, yeah, everybody yeah. does. I call myself Shawcat for simplicity purposes. <laughs> when you look in the mirror, you should call yourself, <laughs> get it together, Shawcat. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, I mean, it depends on which mirror, what time, you know. <laughs> 
All right, all right. So which personality? Which personality? Okay. So normally I do a log line, and depending on the genre of the film, I do it against that. I try to. It's probably a very shitty version. Uh, but you know what? You got try. a little bit more gravelliness in your voice. So yeah. let's. We're gonna do the in a world voice. Um, for those now, it's 2023. So there used to be a guy. I forgot his name. Um, but almost any big blockbuster movie in the summertime, he had this voice with such gravitas and bassiness that he would be he was like the the movie trailer voice or movie trailer voice guy and it would always say in the world in i can't world. even fucking do it right <clears throat> but he passed so unfortunately like the person oh, doing really? it yeah, yeah he passed a couple years ago so he's not doing it anymore i think they found somebody to do it similar to that but they don't do it as much so anyway check, it's only check, fitting check. that this film came out in 88 we're going to do the in the world voice um so Ladies and gentlemen, here's the log line for Die Hard. <laughs> a New York City police officer tries to save his estranged wife and several others taken hostage by terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakamoto Plaza in Los Angeles. Is it the Nakamoto? Well, that's not the right Oh, yeah, plaza. what? Nakatomi. Nakatomi. Okay. All right. Take two. Hold on. Uh, during te- technical par- details. Uh, uh, I'll, just, I'll pick it up from... Yeah. Oh, we're leaving this in there. I'm just, uh, we're just doing okay. take two. Oh, okay, okay. All right. And scene one, take two. A New York City police officer tries to save his estranged wife and several others taken hostage by terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Explosions. <laughs> you know what's really interesting about this is they did say Christmas. I don't think that was the best one, but you know. Hey, it's better than mine. Yeah. Trust me. So yeah, but um, so yeah, so that's our log line. So let's go ahead because we've already been talking for nine minutes. I'm going to do a quick breakdown of some of our cast and crew. So starting off, we have our director John McTiernan. Oops, see, look, I already fucked Tiernan. John McTiernan. Now remember, this film came out in '88, so you might know some of these names, or you may not. Depends on if they're still doing shit. Um, let's see. So director. Producer and writer, according to IMDb, and he was a director and producer for Rollerball. Holy shit. Rollerball Ball, that came out in 20, 2002 that had LL Cool yeah. That movie was yeah, that shit. Was... <laughs> it was fun. Don't get me wrong. But man, that well, was a shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. But whoa, man, this man has some fucking amazing Last films. Action Last ever. Action Hero? It, so Last Action Hero starring um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was playing... Well, and a last action hero that came out of the movie screen and was saving the world. It was I thoroughly enjoyed that film. Oh man, it was great. Uh, it was yeah, so great. Yeah. Um Predator, the original eighty seven Predator, also with Arnold with Arnie. Which is the best Cla- Predator. Oh definitely, definitely, without a doubt. So yeah, he got some pretty popular ones. Um let's see. I just want to see. So that's the four of them. I'm trying to see if he's done anything recently. Well, it looks like oh no, that doesn't count. Last action hero twenty. So it looks like the last feature he did was basic in two thousand three. Wow. See, and that's what I mean by the eighty eight. So he was already out here making films by the time he made this one. And his last big feature was basic in two thousand three. So twenty years ago. So I don't know if he's semi retired or what have you. Um but anyway, so yeah, Mr. John McTiernan had no idea. Um, even though this is one of my favorite films, I was not aware of who directed it. That's in- yeah. interesting. Yeah. The writer, um, we have a couple writers here. We have Roderick Thorpe, and uh, based on the novel by Je- Jeb Stewart, and screenplay by, and then Stephen E. D'Souza. Souza. I might be messing up that name. That's why I had you pronounce your name, Shaw Cat, because <laughs> sometimes I butcher these hey, names, yeah, you know? Yeah. But um, so, yeah, Stephen. Souza. Souza. So, wow. Okay. So, Mr. Steven was a writer for 48 Hours. Um, that's a 82 with Eddie Murphy, Commando, another Arnie film in 85, and Laura Croft, the Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life in 2003 was one of his last ones. So, have you ever watched 48 Hours? I did. Oh, my. Great I, yeah, absolutely amazing. Speaking of 48 another Hours. 48 Hours? That yeah, another one's good. good. You know, they're making a new Beverly Hills Cop now. They're filming right now. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really into the remakes. Yeah. So, Roderick, well, it's a sequel. So, they got Eddie in there. It's part four now. So, oh, okay. yeah, it's well, another yeah, sequel. I'll be able to see that. I don't know, though. I mean, coming to America. 
Too. Oh, that was awful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was fun and points of it, but at the same time, I, I mean, like, stopped that movie numerous times. Really? Throughout I mean, there were, there were funny like, things about it. Yeah. I, like, I, like Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes' character should, was fucking amazing. <laughs> I think he made yeah, that I mean, film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah if yeah, not exactly. for him, yeah. And I loved that that was kind of like his comeback. Well, not. Well, he did the thing with Kevin Hart, the dr- drama that was really good. But I like that that was one of his bigger profile films that he did. Because, you know, he stopped making movies for a while. Because yeah. he had jail or something. Else. I don't know. I don't want to speak. Tax evasion. Tax evasion. Yeah. I so he, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's why he stopped, but. Yeah. At least that's why he's not in the country. If he is. I don't know. Let's don't see. Know Roderick Thorpe. So, yeah, Mr. Roderick Thorpe has passed. Um, so he passed in 99, looks like, but he was also a writer for Live Free or Die, well, shit. He was a writer for pretty much all the damn Die Hard movies. So this is a man who ideally should sure. have really known the character. He did Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Live Free or Die Hard, which is like number four, I want to say, three or four. say if any future Die Hard movies happen, they're probably not going to be of good quality. Yeah, yeah. So, Yes. And unfortunately, you know, Bruce Willis, he's had the um, the the medical issues now. Oh, yeah, 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 so he's not going to be acting anymore, which is sad. I got to be honest. But I feel like. What? No, I was about to say what's really interesting. I know this introduction is going to be long, but this is a special watch party. I told you I might be two episodes. But you know what's most interesting to me? Like Bruce Willis is one of my favorite actors. He's not on my, my Mount Rushmore. Don't get me wrong. But he's one of my favorite actors because I still remember... To this day, one of my first theatrical experiences that I remember, and anytime I date somebody, I haven't watched this film, um, starred Bruce Willis, Goldie Hawn, and fucking Meryl Streep. You know what that film's called? Death Becomes Her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's a great I film. That's funny. love that fucking film. I remember watching that in the movie theaters. Have you and seen that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got... Yeah. When they when they when they take the potion or whatever, yep. they're, they're the beauty of yeah. I love that movie because I see that. Yeah, yeah she falls down the stairs. She's yeah, she's got the hole through her yeah. and everything. Yeah, Bruce Willis, man. Where's who was he in that? He was the doctor. He, he really? because it was a character unlike he didn't really play characters like that as he's gotten older into his career. So he's yeah. playing like a nerdy kind of um, yeah. shut-in doctor kind of deal. So you probably didn't even notice him in the yeah. sense of yeah, he was a nobody. Correct, yeah. Time. Yeah, and I mean, fucking Meryl Streep was in there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Meryl yeah. Streep. No, it's I fucking. Mean, I know that movie very well. And Goldie Hawn, who was like Bruce fucking. Part threw me off. Yeah, yeah, they, man, let me. That movie, I like I said, I remember watching that movie in the theater. It's one of the first ones I remember. I remember that one and Batman, the original Batman, were the two yeah. that stick out the most. And I remember, even though I didn't start acting till I was older, I remember watching that and being so entertained by this whole concept. I think that was the. That was like the magical moment for me, I guess, as far as getting swept away in the movie was Death Becomes Batman was already had working in it because in the cartoons and everything. So I was already a Batman fan. But Death Becomes her being like an original fucking IP that wasn't based off of anything else, a TV show. And okay. I was like, what? Was about it, it just what seemed, about it was, it was just magical. And like you said, the, the broken neck thing and then the talk. I, I was like, what? I think that's what I loved about it's, it is just the off the wall kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was almost cartoon like. It's cartoon. But then it's also yeah. horror like. It's like yeah. a horror cartoon kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because then there was nudity in it with the woman yeah. in the swimming pool. It was it like. It's a very adult movie, but I watched it. Young, yeah. You know? And I just remember like that movie. Is literally what I think that is the first movie I remember watching in a movie theater. And I think, like, I guess a lot of people, they'll ask actors or directors, oh, what movie did, made you realize you wanted to do that? And it didn't make me realize I wanted to become an actor, but it was probably the movie that made me fall in love with movies in the theater experience. There was a piece to it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, That's I digress. Awesome. I, a, I, I mean, fucking I like love that, that movie, I like man. That. I like the honesty in that because you could have just made up any other movie yeah no i get excited awesome. like i date when i date people like the current fiance i'm like hey um have you seen death becomes it <laughs> no sit your ass down right now we're watching this movie like you know i guess like 
you know, to know this is to know me. Exactly. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Especially since I'm an actor and everything else. Like, this is the magic. This is what I want to repeat. Because, you know, I know, like, a lot of times, especially people, guys our age, then it's like Star Wars is the thing. They're like, oh, my spouse don't like Star Wars. I'm like, no, I don't give a shit about that. I mean, there was Star Wars that I cared about, but the yeah. the whole progression of it is like, it's not. Yeah. That's not, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, I, I yeah. agree with you. I mean, I feel like that, too. It's It's. It is. It is something that you want to show to somebody because it's kind of a piece of you is connected it's to a piece that. Of, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think so, it's like, I hated that movie. This ain't working out. Yeah. You got you gots to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this movie kind of represents a little bit of my personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you'll, you'll see this come out every yeah, once in a Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, guys. We're digressing. All right. So our, um, I'm going to make this as quick as possible. Lawrence Gordon was a producer as well as Joel Silver. I have not heard that name forever. Lawrence Gordon. Um, let's see what else he produced. He produced Prey in 2022, which was actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, look up. Haven't seen that one, but he produced Watchmen, the movie, not the That's HBO series, movie. which is a great movie. Also produced on Predators. So, man, he was knocking it out of the park and of course joe silver who um when i was growing up his name was all over a bunch of a whole bunch of shit oh, really? so okay. yeah and he's st- i was and, growing up then i just didn't know okay <laughs> <laughs> and he still pro- is producing that's really good cool. so like the nice guys um which was which is a christmas film by mr ian black um who always tends to do films in or around christmas time so he was a producer for that, producer for Sherlock Holmes, um, Reinvented, which is a documentary, so that doesn't really count. But The Matrix, I didn't, you know, no, I do remember he was a producer on that. He's done a lot of stuff. I'm not even going to go down his list as well. Um, let's see who else we have here. Cinematographer. Ooh, here's the name. Okay, I'm a, I'm a butcher. Do I want to butcher this or do you want to attempt to not butcher this? Uh, Juan de Bon. Juan de Bon? Oh, I don't know. Juan de Bon. Juan de bon? It's French. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it looks French. J A N D E B O N T. So yeah, Juan Bon. Juan de Bon. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot to. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. But now he was. So he was a cinematographer for Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Also a great movie. And uh, oh man, I can't think of the third actor. Anyway, Minority Report, The uh, Haunting Twister. Yeah, it's in, uh, not Hopkins. Now, see, it's not Anthony Hopkins. No, now I got to go look at it. I got to look at it Bob now. Hoskins. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, Dennis Hopper. Dennis yeah, Hopper. Yeah. Badass in his own, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Man, I fucking love that movie, too. So, yeah, uh, now, um, here's a little interesting tidbit. Um, apparently. What did he say? They gave me this cheap-ass watch. <laughs> That's like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he got a cheap watch for retirement. I'm like, what a drastic thing to what do that? for getting a watch like i get me in how many years like, did he put into that job you know i'm just saying i mean yeah but i'm just saying then like, again why couldn't he have just been mad at the people who gave him the watch why that's they, true like, i mean because what did that bus maybe it was beyond do? him is a big cover-up so that's what he was trying to get at possibly i mean is we won't get a watch at all so when we yeah, retire yeah. we're just not getting anything so get myself there's that watch. yeah <laughs> let's see we have michael Kamen. Who has also unfortunately passed? He was the composer for this one. He did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Th- uh, Thieves, yeah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Thieves. <laughs> with Thieves, yeah, <laughs> with um, what is his name? Uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah, Throwback, y'all. Yeah, oh my god, that movie is so good. Is, yeah. yeah, um, he did Juan. Oh, sorry, Don Juan DeMarco. He did Lethal Weapon, also a Christmas film. Yeah, a what? Lethal Weapon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah Christmas yeah, film yeah, because yeah. that was another Ian Black um, directed film. He did X Men, so he was a composer and did orchestral arrangement for all all of these. So busy, busy man. And he just uh, he passed two thousand twenty years. That's around the time the director stopped directing. Director, yeah. Wow. Now what's interesting? I'm huh, I'm kind of interested because I I'm finding um, that a lot of these directors use the same composer. So I wonder like if that was part of a separation thing that he chose not to direct as much anymore i don't know he might have felt retirement yeah oh shit holy fuck jackie birch was the casting director for this so jackie birch um so i'm an actor um as you guys know so jackie birch is a huge casting director and she's and she's still alive doing it like now and i had no idea she did that's insane anyway 
So she, well, yeah, yeah cast and direct. I mean, Jackie Birch is a big fucking deal, guys. So she's cast director for Die Hard, Coming to America, Above Suspicion, um, The Breakfast Club, you name it. She was, she, her, her hands are in it. She's, uh, anyway. So yeah, Jackie Birch did not know that. That's cool. Um, let's see who else we got. A production designer is you might Matt. Have to shoot her a text and tell her you saw her. Now. Oh, I don't, I don't got her. We ain't that close though. We're not close like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you listen to this, Jackie Birch, that's awesome. Um, production designer. Everybody on here got like a a, a de name in it. So production designer is Jackson de Goiva or Goiva. I like Goiva. Goiva. Okay, we're gonna go with Goiva. Um, that's an interesting, first of all, Jackson, typically your first, I mean, last name is used as a first name. So that's interesting. And then the D in there anyway. So let's see production designer. They production designed for volcano in 1977. I'm sorry, 1997. I did not watch that film. I remember seeing the trailers for it and I was like, this looks fucking weird. So I don't know if I'm gonna watch it. It felt like a, I wonder if this is a Roland Emmerich film. Now I'm curious. I got to look at it. No, it's not. Okay, cool. Anyway, um, so Volcano, didn't watch that one. Uh, Red, Do- Red Dawn. That's a great one. Yeah, Red Dawn. That's, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Wolverines. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, <laughs> this, so, you, did you watch the remake of Red Dawn? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, uh, Hemsworth was in it. I want to say oh, wow, really? Thor was in there. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I thought you said Hemsworth was in it. Did you mean like his one of like a brother? Oh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Thor. Yeah. What I say the you said Chris Hemsworth in it, and then you said you think he's a. I'm just making oh, sure yeah. you weren't talking about like his siblings. Like so his that's brother. that's the thing because ah, okay. they got a whole clan of them, yeah. like ten of them. So yeah. I didn't know which one it was. So that's why I was like, um, it is a Hemsworth in there. Yeah. It's, so yeah. So anyway, Red Dawn guys came out. A while ago in 1984. So this was one of the films that my mom introduced me to. And essentially, I think back then it had to do with um, pretty much uh, uh, in the U.S., a foreign country came and invaded and tried to take over and everything else. So then essentially, like all these scrappy young kids um, essentially were like, we're going to go, we're going to go push back and fight against them they call themselves the wolverines and there's a scene yeah. in there that they scream wolverines it made you feel like those little uh uh radios those little walkie talkies you had as a yeah. kid really work yeah <laughs> like yeah really so yeah what's interesting is uh i went and watched this yeah so thor was in this one yeah so they did a remake in 2012 that i went I'm to go see to in movie thing. theaters yeah. and i'm watching it and the whole time i am on the edge of my seat not because it was that good. The first one was a lot better. Patrick Swayze. Come oh, yeah. on. Yeah. But I was waiting for the Wolverine thing. And it was rather late. And I don't remember where it was in the original one. But I was sitting there. I was like, if they don't fucking say Wolverines, I'm going <laughs> to burn this fucking theater down. And I worked at the theater. I was just going to be out of a fucking job. <laughs> but when they said Wolverines, the entire fucking audience started clapping. And I was like... Fuck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But once again, like anyone who's heard this uh, podcast like at before, end, at the last battle, it's, yeah, 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 probably like as they're standing over them. Yeah, I think something won, like that. Yeah, that's what they do. yeah, like, man. But um, like I've mentioned previous episodes of this podcast, that's the cool thing about for me films and going to the movie theater. It's that experience of watching something with four, five hundred fucking strangers all getting an experience that connects them mm-hmm. and when i tell you the fucking audience started clapping i was like oh i'm not the only one it was the coolest fucking oh, yeah, moment yeah. of that it made like the original one was great this one was meh and what made it better was having everybody else excited about the wolverine yeah i mean because yeah. everybody else was there for the same they, reason and like i'm only here for they the probably, wolverine they probably even got their kids with them yeah you know? oh yeah 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 so anyway but um so <laughs> We're getting super distracted. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's get to some. Uh... All right. I think that was it for our production design. Yeah. Okay. Our top build cast. Let's get into that. Now, there's a lot of people in here. So I'm just going to hit off the first. Uh, I'm just hit off a couple of them. So those who don't know, Mr. Bruce Willis plays John McClane in here. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis. Um, let's see. Pulp Fiction, Moonlighting, Death Becomes Her. His list is ridiculous. Um, has always been one of my favorite actors. I'm not going to say he's like 
the best actor as far as getting into character, but he had a charisma about him and a watchability. Like he was well, one they, of those they action said he's stars. Like the everyman's kind of actor. You yeah, know? Like yeah. He didn't have to be the huge muscular guy. Yeah, it's funny be, you say that to be him. You know, and because yeah, all the hair exactly. Because especially <laughs> with Die Hard, like. Before Die Hard, you had people like Arnie and Sylvester Stallone, these big jockey dudes being the action heroes. And he was like, I guess you could say the first postmodern kind of action yeah. hero where you, like you said, he didn't have to He's be uber masculine. Yeah. He's a, yeah. And that is one of the reasons I think I want to say that I read or heard somewhere like studio was pushing back against him because he was. Bruce Willis, you know what I mean? And they're like, ah, but it took off a, a life of his own and kind of opened the door for other people to be action yeah, people, yeah, which is exactly. really cool. Another reason why I just love this you, movie. You, I think it's, you know, it sells because it's the uh, undermined persistence yeah. of a person that just knows that something needs to be done in yeah. the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what really and, sold him as that character. Yeah, and like you said, anybody can connect. Like, if you see, if you watch speaking of Chris Sims or do you go watch Thor, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to be, we ain't flying around with a fucking hammer riding on the rainbow bridge, 300 pounds jacked. But if I get stuck in a plaza, I might be able to find an air duct and fuck some people up. I'm just saying because Bruce Willis, I'm just channeling my inner John McClane. But I'm saying also, if you get into a situation and you just like, for some reason, find yourself in a fight situation and you find a hammer nearby, you're probably gonna pick that thing up and start swinging. And start around swinging around like, like some Thor vibes. Some Thor thoughts in your head. Now you throw it, it probably won't come back though. Now nah, it's probably gonna come back. <laughs> if you swing it around, you probably won't fly as far as you think. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, one of our second build class, um, build cast members is Bonnie Bedelia. Did I say that right? I think so, yeah. Bedelia. Bedelia. So, and so she was... Yeah, let's let's drop an interesting little factoid here. You know I normally yeah. like to connect the dots, people. So I have the slight connection of Jackie Birch. And what's the connection with Bonnie? She was on the hill with us um, that we both worked on. Yeah. And uh, she was the mother to... Who was the guy? Uh, uh, Dennis Quaid. To Dennis Quaid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Quaid. So... Uh, and we're going to get a little bit into that when we do your introductions to kind of sort of talk about how we met and what you do in the film world, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, so we work on films together often. And yeah, she was in that film. She was, I can't remember her character name, but yeah, so she was Dennis Quaid's father. I mean, not father, mother in The <laughs> Hill, which just came out this year, like early fall, I think, something like that. So yeah, a yeah, Christian based baseball movie. Uh, I think it's on airplanes currently. It's on airplanes. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to skip a little bit because I just want to hit the third and, dare I say, the most important cast yeah, member yeah, man. of this entire fucking film. This yeah. man sir, is one of, you. Well, he has passed, unfortunately, but one of my favorite actors, period. Not on my Mount Rushmore, but if I had a fifth spot, I'll pop his ass right up there. And and he also holds like a close um, spot to me. So I told you I used to direct theater. So I directed Dangerous Liaisons or Les Dangerous Liaisons. And he was one of the actors. He was the actor who played the lead for that particular um, play. And I saw the like the recordings that I played. Anyway, an amazing actor. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman who played the role of Hans Gruber. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not even kidding y'all. Alan Rickman has always been one of my favorite fucking actors. He's a badass. Yeah. Now here's a little interesting tidbit. This is why I like, yeah, I'm 38. I'm just starting my whole actor's journey. He, this film, this fucking film was his breakout film. Mm -hmm. And he was like in his mid to late forties and fucking killed it. And here's the thing. I, I, you know what? This is one of my favorite films of all time and my favorite Christmas film. But I dare say that if Alan Rickman wasn't in it, I don't know if it would be that high up. And I love Bruce I, Willis. I agree with that. I could agree with that. Yeah. Like because it, he really did. He was, it's those he was two. the best villain. The be- His and, voice, I mean, his yeah. tonality. And then, and then even though, you know, like I think I saw something where he talks about, uh, or where they talk about how he holds the gun. Yeah. Because he never held a gun because he was a stage actor. Yeah, and yeah. Like he just holds it with such a uh, limp, 
way. But, yeah. But it still, it just, it made this careless. It made it like, almost like an extension attitude, of himself. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, I don't have to hold this gun with such authority because I kill so many. You, you want to turn to the side for the kill yeah, shot. Yeah, kill yeah, shot. Yeah, kill yeah. shot. <laughs> it was, so it sold, you know, sold better. Yeah. As an evil character. Yeah. And it might have been unintentional, but it, it worked well yeah. for it. You know? Yeah, which is it's funny you say that because that's part of the beauty. And I've discussed that on this podcast numerous times on when you watch a film and you see an actor's performance. We don't really know how much is or isn't intentional. Right. But that's part of the fucking beauty of it, like of a character that really resonates with you. And you don't know if they accidentally did it or purposely did it or was it a director's idea or their wife or husband's idea or whatever. And I think that's the cool whatever mystery part. Yeah. And that's what really makes a a character in a role feel real, feel three dimensional because of all these layers and these different things that take from people. So, yeah, I, anyway. The, oh, yeah. So Alan Rickman, guys, dogma. Is, fuck it. Oh, man, the I movies. Mean, you know, like, he was in Sweeney Todd. So yeah, for a lot of people who, if you haven't seen this, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy oh, Quest. Yeah, yeah. He had he had um like the forehead prosthetic on. He was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves that we already talked about. He was the sheriff, the sheriff of Nottingham. Um, he was the judge. Oh, you twitted a lot yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> um, freaking Sweeney Todd. I and most importantly. The thing that I'm sure everybody has seen him in, even if you didn't know, Harry Potter, all the Harry Potters. Mm -hmm. He played, um, why am I drawing a blank? I'm getting all excited about it. Uh, Snape? Yeah, Professor Uh, Snape. Snape. Snape, So yeah, Professor Snape was played by the Alan Rickman. And like I said, I I dare say, I don't think this movie, but it's oftentimes worked like that where some movies that are so good or iconic you can't really replace another actor. And I hope, like you, you mentioned remake, I, I'm going to be fucking pissed if anybody tries to remake this. I don't, I don't, oh, I God. never want to see a remake of this. I don't want to see a fucking sequel. Just let it be what it is. Since, a sequel to Die Hard? Yeah, or a, a reboot. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah reboot, a remake. Like, I don't, well, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they've tried to push it, you know, through, what is it, five and six and stuff into a reboot kind of, Oh, yeah, the soft reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. torch type situations, but I don't think they ever took off. Um, I think they tried to get too over the top with everything. Oh, definitely. But I I don't, yeah, I mean, you're probably going to. As as upset as you'd be. So upset. Anywho, that is going to take, (laughs) that is our long-ass pre-production segment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so thank you, guys. So, per usual, this is the pre-production segment. We're going to do a little intermission, which will probably give a little hint about what's coming up, and then we're going to do our live watch party. So stay tuned. Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening to that first pre-production segment for Die Hard this week. Um, As I mentioned before, I'm trying to change the game up a little bit. Instead of just telling you guys automatically what I'm going to be reviewing, make sure, go to Instagram, look for flicks and scripts, with Jay Starks, or if you're lazy, just type in flicks and scripts, whatever. You'll see my mug up there. I got like a turquoise film and there's like some movie shit in the background. But yeah, go ahead, follow that because as usual, I'll be dropping Teaser Tuesdays on what the film is that we got coming up. So make sure to do that. I mean, you know, I'm trying to keep y'all engaged. Also, while you're there, you know, DM me, let me know about any movies that I should watch or that you suggest, or if you think I'm absolutely fucking wrong about something that I've already talked about. Everybody's, you know, can have their own opinions, what have you. Anywho, I do want to say, even though I'm doing Teaser Tuesdays, I don't know when it's happening, but I will be reviewing a new Christmas movie this year, and it's going to be Violent Night. I don't know when it's going to drop, so you still got to watch the Instagram, but Violent Night with David Arbor, plan on watching that, and Miss Alexis... Um, she's a fellow actress at Drama Inc. And she kills it in everything I've seen her. She was also in Copland, but she's in this film and I'm excited about watching it. So that way I can message her and tell her how fucking great she did. So that one's I'm really excited about. And, you know, I might bring Mr. Shoka back and we could talk about Gremlins because apparently we're going to have to be fighting on the best over what the best fucking film is. Whatever. Anyway, I think after Gremlins, you will agree that it is Gremlins. I mean, you just I think you just have to watch the movie. With a little bit more information. I think sometimes people don't have uh, 
the brain capacity to understand it in the way that I could at least explain it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think really some some people just you know go for the simple die hard. And, wow, um, <laughs> I feel I feel attacked I on mean, my own podcast. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a jab, so I guess that is a form of that. You know, I, I, I felt like this is a you know a fight. Uh, disagreement. This is a this is a fight worthy <laughs> topic. Yeah. All right. So more likely we might be bringing that back. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen. So still make sure to follow um, follow me on Instagram and just see what we got coming up. And now stay tuned for the post production breakdown, which I guess technically will be a live party. Watch. Boom.